we found this lovely house just a little way from town. We bought a beachside unit. We're travelling right around on the Wallaby. It's our home among the gum trees And if you've got the time I'll tell you why I live where I live I'll tell you why I live where I live Hi, Macca. It's Carolyn here, the woman from Gympie who three years ago remarked, remarked sceptically that you tell an awful lot of people that you'll catch up with them sometime. You inquired why I said that. Was I moving soon? To which I responded, no, we were happy there in our new country town of Gympie, gateway to Fraser Island, Harvey Bay and Noosa. I love Noosa. I love Noosa. Where all our friends were made before setting off to travel Australia by caravan a few years before. On our travels, says Calderon, we saw so many wonderful places and we could see why people would want to live in the towns they did. And sometimes we were incredulous at the remote places people decided to call home. At first we travelled while working, which was interesting and good for fun and meeting people. That was so successful we rented our home out and had a large caravan custom built living in comfort and we set off again. A fall in a vineyard ended my husband's days working amongst the vines, so we went home to Yamundi in the beautiful Noosa hinterland and sold the van. However, once a caravaner, always a caravaner. I didn't know that, Carolyn. And after a couple of years, we sold our home and bought our old van back. This time around, of course, my husband couldn't do any work, and after travelling for another two and a half years, I grew bored and longed for my friends and gardens under the sun in southeast Queensland. So we went to Gympie to buy that Queenslander that I always dreamed of. We renovated the house and at my suggestion named her after my husband's mother so that he wouldn't call her too many names when the work got difficult. (laughs) I'll read that again. (laughs) We renovated the house and at my suggestion named her after my husband's mother so that he wouldn't call her too many names when the work got difficult. Isn't that lovely? These people write so well. She was perfect. Views, position, established gardens and fruit trees, friends, work and short trips in the caravan for seaside weekends. You'd think we'd still be there, wouldn't you? Well, as you mentioned in your last program, some people are irreplaceable and the 1,350 kilometre distance between my rapidly ageing parents and us was too difficult. For years we had travelled from Queensland down the Newell and the New England and such on and such on our way south to visit the folks in Berry, always loving those inland rural towns and yet we could not settle in any of them. So where are we living now? Just 45 k's drive from my parents, overlooking the lovely St George's Basin. Last night I had tea with them. Today we're going for a walk on the beach and we'll try to spot some dolphins or whales in stunning Jarvis Bay, our own backyard. The caravan's smaller now, as we don't need to live in it full time and I can tow this baby. Um, baby caravan. Our lifestyle trips this summer will be Bateman's Bay or for culture in Canberra. Australia is fabulous all over, but there's no place like home, and for me, that's where my family is. Carolyn, I'll have to come and see. <laughs> I'll have to come and see you. No, I do. I do. I will catch up sometime, Carolyn. I remember Carolyn rang up and we had a yarn one morning, three or four or five years ago. And she said, oh, you always say that, Macca. Well, I sort of do because, you know, it's on my wish list of things to do. I always like to get out when you get out, just like a simple thing like last night going to the football. And I met the lady from Melbourne and uh, her friend who was from Perth and just all sorts of people. It was lovely. So I like to get out. Anyway, um, this is why I live where I live. This is from Wes. 
I moved two and a half years ago to Berwick Village to be closer to my kids. It used to be on the way to Gippsland, but now it's part of Melbourne. Isn't that the way? Isn't that the way for everywhere? It used to be on the way to Gippsland, but now it's part of Melbourne. <laughs> I try to walk every day and go often through the Berwick um, Cemetery. Australia's first Olympian is buried in the Berwick Cemetery. There's a sign pointing to his grave. Edwin Flack was from Berwick and competed in the first modern Olympics in Athens. He won gold in the 800 metres and 15. The local footy ground is named Edwin Flack Reserve. There's a bronze statue of him in the high street. I only recently found that the Flack Reserve has circular plaques dotted around memorialising all the other Olympic gold medalists. It's quite fun to wander around and discover the plaques and remember the winners. It's always good to do that in your own town. You're just town or city. There's so many things to see. Sometimes councils do nice things. Oh, also, the Berwick Inn was founded in 1857, so I make that 160 years old. How many 160-year-old pubs are left in Australia? Love your show, says Wes. And don't ring about how many 150-year-olds are in Australia. When I was in Blackhall recently, I met these two lovely people. The thing I love about talking to people is their voices. Their voices. Come and listen to the lovely voices of these two people and the quietness of this interview. It's Wendy and Bobby. Your name is? Wendy. Wendy. Where are you from, Wendy? Oh, at the moment I live out of Augustella, but I grew up on the Paru, the muddy old Paru. They talk about the muddy old Baku here, but the Paru is pretty muddy too. <laughs> and you've got a place out there, have you? You've cattle or something? Or? Yes, I've just got cattle. Is there any water in the Paru at the moment? The Paru is okay. It's very dry like everywhere else. That's an experience, living out there. It's a long way from anywhere really, isn't it? Born and bred in the back country. My father died when I was 15, so I got thrown in at the deep end and I've um, never left it. But it's a lovely life, isn't it? It is. There's something about it. It gets in your blood. So pleased that you came to this part of the country. It must be very different from where you come from. Well, yeah, I come from the city, but it's, it's a pleasure to come out and leave the city for a while. I love your program because you talk about birds and nature and I'm a great naturalist. Well, that's what you'd have out in the Paru, especially in the good season, eh? How beautiful to be out there then. It is absolutely unbelievable and it can be so different. I remember when I first started doing the program, we used to get weather reports for the Paru and the river and slight chance of flood on the Paru, things like that. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's how it goes. And it's Wendy, isn't it? Wendy, that's right, yes. Nice to talk to you, Wendy. Nice yes. to Thanks for coming along this morning. It was lovely. So pleased to catch up with you in this part of the country because I'm not a city person and it gives us the opportunity to catch up with what we only ever hear on the radio. Well, that's why we get on the road. Wendy, great to meet you. I'll see you in Thargaminda sometime. Thank you so much. Good on you. Good. <laughs> and your name is? Bob Russell. Where do you live, Bob? Well, I live in Augustella, mm. just out from Augustella, about 50 k's from Augustella, yeah. 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 Uh, with Wendy? I've I got cattle in my place, yeah. What did you do for a living? Well, mate, I've had a, I've had a rough, rough life all my life. I've started from a kid and uh, I worked my way up. Doing what? Well, all sorts of work, droving, horse breaking, everything I get. I started with nothing, but I've worked all my life, so this is a kid, 10 year old. And that's the way it goes. But I had a good pe- one thing, I had a good pe- good mother and father. When I first came to Augustella, I had enough money to buy a tin of jam and a loaf of bread. And when I come to Blackhall in 42, I was a pack horse. And that's the way I travelled for years. And I worked mustard, cattle, 
all sorts of things, driving, everything I gotta get a quid, wherever I can get a quid. It's a tough life, Bob. It's a tough life, but I, it, it does you good, it makes a man of you. The biggest mob I had was 2,500, and Longridge was the biggest mob of cattle ever truck then, at the one, that time I truck those cattle there. 2,000 at Longridge. Walked 2,000, for 2,500 of cattle from Alpha, Alpha dip yard down through south and just lit up. But I enjoy that, when you're young you love that sort of a thing, and that's your life, yeah. And I think it's the best thing in the world for the young. The young fellas today, they're fed, they're fed with a silver spoon till about 20 before they leave home, don't they? Most of them. Good on you, Bobby. Nice yeah. to meet you, mate. It's nice to meet you too, old fellow. Yeah, and look after yourself. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> G'day, this is Macca. Uh, morning, Macca. Jeff Hamilton calling from the uh, Royal Melbourne Hospital. Hi, Jeff. What are you up to? What's happening? Oh, well, life changed for me a couple of weeks ago. So I was just saying to your colleague, I haven't been uh, in hospital in my life more than, you know, a, a day procedure, and two weeks ago, got diagnosed with leukaemia, and bang, straight out of the blue, and, uh, yeah, I've been in hospital for two weeks with a few more weeks to go. Ah, well, that's a bit of a bit of a pull-up, isn't it? Well, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of, it's a bit of a wake-up call. I mean, luckily, I've sort of lived my life along the way, of, you know, keeping myself busy and doing what I can, and, um, not uh, not wasting any time, but still, when you get something like this, it makes you you rethink things, and uh, you know it's uh, it's a bit of a, a long road back to health. But I'm well underway. I've got a marvellous team here. That's just you know one of the things I wanted to say is that the science and the the um, the team behind the recovery process is unbelievable. They measure absolutely everything, you know, they measure the fluids in, the fluids out, they measure what you eat, they measure what you don't eat, they measure your blood about three times a day, um, it's, it's just a marvellous process and I'm learning heaps about it along the way. Yeah, so Jeff, what did you do for a living? Well, I'm involved in business, um, I'm an engineer originally, but right at the moment I'm involved in a couple of different businesses, one of them is actually based up in the Kimberley up at Kununurra, and I've got some really good uh, business partners up there that run the business. That's an aviation business. Uh, luckily, I'm, you know, I'm not involved day-to-day in that one, but we, we fly tourists around the Kimberley. And the other business that I'm involved in, which is a bit of a rarity these days, is a manufacturing business in Australia based in Wagga. In fact, it's, it's a, a business that manufactures uh, sheep and cattle yards, of all things. All right. Made, yeah, m- made of what? Oh, steel. 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 Yeah, yeah, we do all the manufacturing in Wagga, Australian steel. Good on you. Um, it's, it's a business that's been going for 14 or 15 years, and we, we build uh, cattle yards, sheep yards right around Australia. And again, you know, I've got some really good business partners in that business, so I'm happy to, to take a back seat at this stage and keep the, the business ticking along. Yeah, well, look, uh, I suppose it happens to everybody in, in some sort of way, doesn't it, Jeff? But... Um, They've found it, and hopefully you're on the road to recovery, mate. Well, I think it's, you know the message is my bus came along and hit me, um, you know, un- unseen. And um, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm confident I am on the road to recovery, but um, it's it's you know it's one of those things, and I just wanted to report in that at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, you know, the the, the medicine and the science and the, what these people are doing for me is just unbelievable. It's just first class. I mean, they do it every day. It's not something that's unusual for them, but as an outsider looking at the medical process, it's, it's great to know that we're in such great hands and, um, you know, things are going so well. 
Jeff, good luck to you, mate. And, and when you get out and things are better, you give me a ring again. I'd love to come to see your, your place in Wagga. Um, uh, getting it done, and how's the electricity prices affecting your business? Uh, we've got a couple of roofs uh, full of uh, solar. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's good. that's good. All right, Jeff, good on you, mate, and good luck. Righto, thanks, mate. I'll see you. See you, mate. Bye. Good day, Tony from Port Vila. Hi, Tony. How are you? Uh, good to see you. Listen, I'd just like to say hi to Jeff down in Melbourne. He helped me out when I was up in Kananara four years ago, five years ago, picking up an aeroplane. And he had a business up there. Hope he gets on well and gets over his, uh, what he's suffering with in uh, in Melbourne there, Melbourne Hospital. Jeff, Anyway, yeah. I just wanted to let you know uh, things in Vila are picking up after... Auntie Pam's visit a few years ago and uh, sort of wiped the place out for a while, but everything's back up and running and looking beautiful. We've completely redeveloped the seafront or the waterfront along the Port Vila town there, and uh, it's, it's looking really spectacular now. They've finally got all the grass growing back, and I cut the grass there the other day, and I went down last night, and all the, the little ropes around the grass have been taken down, so you can now walk on the grass, and it's all looking lovely. It's uh, really transformed the place. Are you the bloke that flies around to the various airports and cuts the grass? No, I aren't. I'm, I'm not the guy, but I knew him well. He's way up north of Queensland somewhere now. Oh, right. Um, yeah, no, he, he, he was a wonderful guy. Yeah, I'll say. And you're talking about Jeff, who was who rang earlier this morning, ladies and gentlemen, who just got up, and he's, yeah, he yeah. said he's 55, or I think he was, and he said uh, the other day um, he had a big pull-up and he's gone to hospital and he's... Uh, he's uh, had a life-changing experience, but he said he was involved in um, a business in Kununurra, flying tourists around, and that's obviously where you met him, uh, Tony. Yeah, that's where I met him. I was picking up an aircraft from there. We bought from a, another company that had fallen foul of our wonderful uh, regulators in uh, aviation in Australia, and uh, <laughs> all his aeroplanes went up for sale. The bank came down on it sort of thing, and he wound up uh, losing it. And I was up there. I bought something at an auction, and had to go up and collect it and do a bit of work on it. I needed a bit of assistance, and uh, Jeff and his crew there were really helpful. Yeah, and and Jeff, uh, he's got leukaemia, I think, and he said he'll be in hospital for three weeks, but it's just changed his... Well, it does, I suppose. It's a, When anything happens, and they do happen in our lives, don't they, where we have, you know, something happens and uh, we're changed forever. It, it's And it's usually based around your health, you know, your health is the um, the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think one's got to look after yourself. You watch what you eat and try and eat as natural as possible, and that's what's been my theory. I've been out in the in the islands in the Pacific here in Vanuatu or New Hebrides when I came here back in 1971, and I've basically been here ever since and tried to live a pretty healthy lifestyle. But, yeah, it's involved in the tourist industry up here now. I've got a little charter business, and we fly passengers backwards and forwards to the town of Volcano, and, Amongst other things, you know, occasionally do the odd medivac every now and then and and uh, help out the local airline when they have an aircraft out of action and need a bit of assistance to get their passengers around. So. For all of us who live in uh, cities and, you know, we're living in uh, the big cities in Sydney and uh, Melbourne and Canberra and wherever around Australia, stressful life. Uh, is a life in Port Vila stress-free, Tony? Ah. Uh, it's as stressful as you want to make it or as stress-free as you want to make it. It's sort of up to you as to how seriously you take it all. 
aviation, of course, is a pretty serious business and you've got to take that seriously and, you know, watch every nut and bolt that you fit and make sure it's all done up tight and and uh, everything's lock-wired and put together properly. But it's making sure, you know, all the other rules and regulations are, are being met because they're there to keep people safe and sometimes it can be stressful trying to keep up with it and trying to get your regulator to respond to things that you need answers to and that can be stressful waiting for them sometimes because you know you can improve things but you can't get the permission to improve it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. All right, Tony, nice to talk to you this morning. Um, Yeah, it's just that when you think of a life in Port Vila with palm trees and coconuts falling on your head and stuff like that and, you know, lovely, you think, well, oh, that must be a stress-free life but I suppose it's what you make of life, isn't it? Yeah, well, I got put down watching a movie last night and get a phone call from somebody wanting a medivac out of Santo because there's a diver that's come up with the bends and and then he realised that the, um, what do you call it, the dive chamber, the decompression chamber had just been painted that day so they weren't able to use it anyway. So we weren't able to do the, the medivac for him. So I hope that poor beggar's all right up in Santo. Probably be all right. But who knows? Hmm. Tony, great to talk to you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Okay, looking you in. Bye. Thanks, bye. G'day, Maka. This is Jerry. I'm in Florida. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, how you going? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. Um, how are you? More the point? No, not too bad. We've had a bit of wind and rain recently, but other than that, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard you've had a bit of wind and rain. That's putting it mildly. What are you doing yeah. over there, Jerry? I'm a truckie. Yep. I do the 48 states in Canada. And at the moment, I'm doing hurricane supplies into Florida. Wow. So tell us all about it. It's a, a bit of a mess, I hear and see. No, actually, the the main part of Florida pretty much skated it. Uh, the keys got hammered. The keys are flattened. You know, um, anyone that knows the keys, pretty much anything south of Key Largo is flattened. And Jerry, so, um, um, yeah, go on. Sorry, yeah. No, no just... it's you know it's pretty pretty much like the USVI, the Virgin Islands. Yep. So you know some of the lower keys are pretty much like that now. So we Jer- can't get down there. No, Jerry. How long have you been uh, in uh, in America driving? I assume you're from Australia, and you're over there. You've been working over there for a while. Yeah, um, I've only been driving for the last few years. Um, I retired from working in computer systems and this was on my bucket list so um yeah in the few years i've been driving i've managed to do 47 of the 48 lower states and i've done six of the provinces of canada and and so jerry where are you but ba- where's where's your base and you you drive all over just whatever just to yeah, ca- uh, carry my, general my, yeah my my hometown is miami uh-huh but um i'm sort of not really based out of anywhere. I just move from job, you know, load to load. Um, I get home about once a month for a few days until the wife's sick of me, and then I'm off again. <laughs> so yeah, but, yeah. So this was on your on your bucket list. What to drive a truck around America? That was your bucket list, was it? One of the one of them. Yep, yep. My next one's to take a motorbike from Key West to the top of Alaska. Well, yeah, that's uh, that'd be interesting too. What take the wife with you? Or hey, I got to talk her into that one. <laughs> Actually, I got to talk her into let me have another bike. 
I see. So how's things in America? How are you enjoying America? How long have you been there? Um, I got here in 2000. I left, um, I worked in Tonga and the South Pacific for five years before that. And then I was in Australia before that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm an ex, a long-time expat. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, I think that'd yeah. be be great to uh, America's still uh, still a place where everything happens, isn't it? You know, good and bad, the best and the worst. Yeah, I. It's an interesting place to put it that way. You know, it's um, it's a country divided by a common language. Like well, nobody speaks the same English in any state. No, they've all got a different, slightly different accent, eh? <laughs> Oh, it's a different country in every state. Yeah, well, you you find that you can find that a bit in Australia too, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose you do between the country and the city. You know, I always find city people tend to speak like more like Americans and country people do in Australia now. Yeah, every time I go, I go home once every couple of years. Mm-hmm. I find city people start to tend either neutral or Americanized. Now, I'm probably going to get hammered by my family for saying that. <laughs> but um, I, I still find country people will speak Australian. Yeah, and Jerry, um, you're driving a, what, an 18 wheeler over there? Is that what you drive? Yeah, 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 it's an 18 wheeler, 53-foot trailer. On a, at the moment, I'm driving a Peterbilt Prime Mover. And so you're busy with the Hurricane Supplies? Yeah, I'm running... Um, you know, with the hours we're allowed to drive over here, I'm doing between five and 600 miles a day. Gee. Um, and that's just in and around uh, Miami, is it? No, no. I'm, I'm bringing stuff down from Georgia at the moment and um, taking loads down to different... Um, their Home Depot, they call, the store over here is called, but it's sort of like a Bunnings in America, eh, in Australia. Yeah. And... I'm just taking trailer load after trailer load. There's about, um, I suppose, from our company, there's probably 80, 80 or 90 trucks just running Florida. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, we're, that's just, we're just one of the, the carters for it. So, um, you know, it's... There's still... There wasn't a... You know, it was more power and things like that that went out than any real damage. Yeah, I heard about that. Well, unless unless you're on the coast, and then there was a lot of flooding. Jerry, can you pick us up? Are you listening in your truck, or what's going on? Uh, Yeah, I've got an app on my phone, but it's how I listen to you. I listen to the ABC all the time. That's my whole day's listening, (laughs) is all your overnight shows. There you go. Seven days a week. (laughs) Well, good on you, Jerry. Great, great, Great to talk to you this morning. Yeah, okay, mate. Thanks for taking me call. It's a pleasure, mate. Good on you. Bye. Bye. Sadder than sad was how I described the story I saw the other day about a Victorian father who was uh, on a Wollongong beach. Some kids were swept out to sea and he uh, dove in and tried to save them. And it seems to happen more often than not that uh, the person who's doing the rescuing gets into strife and the others are safe. I don't know, but uh, Sean Oliver drowned the other day and uh, so sad. I thought I'd talk to Sally Gregory, who's with ABA, the Australian Bravery Association, the Queensland branch, 
who knows about such things. Uh, good morning, Sally. Good morning, Macca. Good morning, everyone. I don't know if it's true, but it seems to me every other time that uh, this happens, it's the person who's doing the rescuing that comes to grief. I tell you what, Macca, um, you'd be surprised how many people pay an incredible price for stepping in to help someone else. And quite often, it's generally people they've never met. It's just doing the right thing. But uh, in general, I can say the majority of people... Life after rescue is quite different in ways I never imagined. This young bloke, Sean, he's only 32, I think. He's left a family behind. Uh, uh, Just a tragedy all around. Oh, it's just terrible. Sean's one of these people, I'm sure, that he couldn't stand by and and see people in harm, especially children. He just went in and did what he could. The children ended up being okay, but he was in over his head and Mother Ocean took him. It's so sad. In Australia, we have a certain attitude of optimism and a, and a she'll be right kind of attitude which can quite often get in the way of evaluating a situation as being safe or not safe. Sally, I'm talking to Sally Gregory of the ABA, the Australian Bravery Association. Sally, tell me your particular story. You got an award from the Bravery Association. What what happened in your particular case? I did. So it's the, the Bravery Awards in Australia come from uh, the Office of the Governor-General and they're awarded to the people. Um, I was... Uh, diving at Byron Bay in 1993 and we, when we surfaced we got a call for help from a nearby dive boat saying there'd been a shark attack. So uh, we up anchored and raced over and as we got close to the area um, the boats, our boat stopped and I didn't know why it stopped until many years later but that's another story. I made the decision to go in and help a girl that I saw about 50 metres off who was in the other boat and who was screaming in great distress and clearly she needed help. And I happen to be a, a very good hugger, Macca. I'm a chief hugger of the Bravery Association and she needed looking after. So I, I dived in and swam over and climbed out to help her and um, subsequently we found out that um, a shark had taken her husband because um, he had stepped into the shark's path. He'd pushed her out of the way as the shark came onto her and... By putting himself in harm's way, he sacrificed his life to save her life. It was just the most um, devastating thing. And she was on her honeymoon. And um, it was a very, very sad story. Um, Long story short, um, sometime after that, um, the Bravery Association was started up in 2000. There was a need for Bravery Award recipients to be able to support each other and help each other because no one expects the... um, the change of your life afterwards. So I've been looking after Queensland and doing my hugging since 2004 and I, I love it. It's nice to get a bravery award but it, uh, it seems to me that uh, we still don't know, Australians and new comers to Australia don't really know how to swim and I, I think that's just almost a scandal. Uh, Sally, I don't know how we can correct that. The Queensland Government has just brought forward an initiative to give swimming and life-saving lessons to newcomers to Australia, which is a really positive step forward. But so much of our coast is near the surf, and if people are going into these water areas with no water experience coming from land-bound countries, they're in a lot of risk. As we're talking about, Sean Oliver's family, obviously, they need lots of hugs because in some ways I think when you have a sad occasion, the only thing that will suffice really is a a hug and maybe a cup of tea. But um, that's how simple it is, and there's nothing really else you can do but a hug, is there? You know, you're absolutely right because 
a hug says everything. You can't, some situations, they can't be fixed. People will be no doubt saying the what ifs and however and why me and that's not fair and all of that. And as a supporter, you can't answer those questions for the person who's grieving, but you can give them your time. You can just sit with them. You don't necessarily talk to them, but a hug says everything. And not just at the time of their loss too, but when things have quietened down a bit, one month down the track, two months down the track, a year down the track, how are you? Are you okay? Mm. Do you need a cup of tea? How about I bake a cake and help you eat it? Life's that simple, isn't it, Sally, in lots of ways? I hope uh, Sean Oliver gets a bravery award somewhere down the track too because um, that was just a completely selfless act, wasn't it? Can I tell your listeners how they can nominate uh, brave acts in their community, Mm, Sure. Uh, It's so easy. All you have to do is go to get your computer out, go to Google, and you put in bravery award nomination form, and it'll pop up. You um, print it off and put your name on there. You put... Uh, your relationship to the rescuer. I've nominated people who I don't know at all. I've never met, but I've seen their story in the paper and I've gone, that's remarkable. Their family needs to know that that their sacrifice means a lot to the whole community. What it does is it, it shows that person that their sacrifice was highly valued by the community of Australia, which is really important. Sally, nice to talk to you. Enjoy your, your Sunday morning. You go diving, I assume, Sunday mornings, do you? Yes, I do. Yes, uh, out off the Gold Coast, we've got wonderful marine life up here. Good it's on you, Sally. World. Thanks, Maka. Thanks for spreading the love. Thank you. Bye. Stay safe, everyone. G'day, this is Maka. Hi, this is Ben. Hi, Ben. Uh, um, I'm from Tong, and um, I was just ringing the, this morning to say um, that our school's doing a play, and um, uh, it's about a show you're all over in your radio show, and I got the macker. So, <laughs> Benny, your your phone's a bit. Uh, how's your father? Um, is you holding it close and stuff like that? Um, yeah, that's better. That's better. So, Benny, Hi. let me let me say this: you live in Pawong, is that right? You're doing a play about the program, and, and yeah. you and you've been. Um, it's your burden to be uh, playing macker, is that right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, well, you'll need a bit of rehearsal for that. How long have you been rehearsing? Years? A uh, few weeks, months. <laughs> and how's it, how's you, how are you travelling, Ben? Oh, pretty good. I know your number's off my heart now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better come in here, Benny, I'd say. Uh, so where's <laughs> where's where's Pawong for everybody around Australia? A lot of people uh, don't know where Pawong is. South Gippsland. South Gippsland, right. Keeps speaking close to the phone, Benny. Okay, yeah. um, it's, in, it's in South Gippsland, it's down um, about two hours from Melbourne, kind of. Yeah, and, and whose idea was this, uh, Ben? To do what? Uh, to do the play. Uh, the music teacher, because the school does one every year, and we, the teacher thought, oh, we'll do this one this year, so yeah, I thought, oh, I want to be Macca, because I've listened to it a few, few, a fair few times, so... Yeah, well, look, I think it's a great idea, Benny, and it could it could go viral or feral, as they say, and you could yeah, could end up going, you know, on the road, and then I'd turn it into a musical, and God, you know, the sky's the limit, Benny. So yeah, keep practicing. Thanks. Um, I don't know what uh, uh, if you had any tips from anybody about um, playing me because I've never really played me, so I wouldn't know how it goes. But, but... no, not really. Just try and practice. Yeah, exactly. And and just relax, be relaxed about it all. 
Yeah, and, I have to sit up in this on-air booth and uh, talk to people that call in and that. So. Uh, right. Well, that, I think that's a great idea, Benny. Um, um, and when's that on, Ben? Uh, that's on tomorrow and on Tuesday. Oh, dear. Um, well, I hope you get a good crowd there. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, I can't give you any advice except just to relax and just enjoy the moment, Benny. Thanks. Um, yeah, all right. So uh, how's things in um, Pawong? Oh, it's pretty good. We just, um, yeah, the the netballers were in the grand final yesterday, but they both lost, so it's a bit of a shame, but football doesn't go too well down here. But <laughs> um. Well, it'll happen. Benny, you can report that too yeah. when you do your play because that's the, the beauty of it. You can just, uh, you can ad-lib a bit. You know, you might have a script, but you can leave the script behind if it's getting boring. Just yeah. just go somewhere else. Just start, you know, hop out off the stage and go and interview the audience. That's what I do. Just, yeah. Just run around with a microphone. That'll it'll it. The sky's <laughs> the limit, Benny. Just um yeah, yeah. just um make it your own. Okay. All right, mate. Um, something else I was going to ask you. So, how many how many kids at uh, your school? What's the name of the school? Pawong. Consolidated. Pawong Consolidated. How many kids go there? Uh about a hundred and forty. 50 or something. All right. Okay. All right, Benny. Well, look, good luck with that. Give me a report uh, next week. Um, and okay. uh, And anyone can go. There's still some, I suppose there's still a few seats left. Yeah, there's a fair few in our big shed, so. All right. It sounds like it's going to be a great night, Benny. Tom- t- tomorrow? And- uh, yeah, tomorrow's the matinee one, so in a day, and then on Tuesday's the night one. All right. Well, uh, and what are you going to wear? Uh, I got me flannelette shirt and... The jeans. Yeah, I, well, I see. I haven't got a flannel shirt. It's one of, I, <laughs> I've got. I wear designer clothes, of course, Benny. But look, <laughs> you can wear what you want. That's the that's the beauty of it, mate. So, but yeah, yeah. send me a photo of you, and okay. um, I'm sure people in the in the audience will take a uh, a photo. But um, keep up the good work, Ben, and keep okay. up the image. All right. Okay. Good on you, Thanks. mate. See ya. See ya. See ya. Bye. Hello, Macca. How are you? Good. It's Ken Douglas um, from Newcastle, and I've got a group of 19 people, and we're over in LA at the moment. <laughs> what are you doing there, Ken? Uh, we're going to do Route 66. <laughs> of course. If you ever planned a travel, <laughs> well, what a good idea. What? Not on motorbikes or something, are you? Uh, we've got two doing it on motorbikes. <laughs> we've got a, two of them doing it in Mustang convertibles. Oh, wow. And the rest of people are doing it in big. Black SUVs. Oh, my God. And who whose idea was this, Kenny? Mine. <laughs> I was taught me brother. Um, As you do. Saying about Route 66 and got thinking about it a couple of nights later and said, well, why don't we do it? So sort of got onto all the family and they two of them decided to come and a heap of friends. So, yeah, we ended up with 19 of us. So at the moment there's 19 of us driving around LA in a limo looking at all the sites. <laughs> before we jump in the cars and the bikes tomorrow and start off on Route 66. Yeah, well, we, we could sing the song here. It starts from Chicago to more than 2,000 yeah. miles all the way. All the way. Yeah, and you go through St. Louis, down through Missouri, Oklahoma City, looks so, so pretty, et cetera, et cetera. That's it. But we're, we're doing it backwards because we're from down Aussie, so we've got to do it backwards. <laughs> we're starting in LA and we're going and finishing in Chicago. <laughs> oh, Ken, this has been a dream, has it, mate, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. But it's been in the planning for a couple of years now. So, and, yeah, we've got four people from 
down in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, actually, I heard on the on you talking to someone before from Puong Consolidated School. Yeah. And four of the people actually come from Puong Consolidated School. That's not true. That school that's only got that whole town's only about two hundred people. And there's hundred. Uh, then we've got another, another lady from up in Queensland, and everyone else is from uh, Newcastle. There you go. So, well, that was little Benny. Benny rang from Puong Consolidated. He's eleven, and he's doing. They're doing a play about the program. And he's he's been designated, or it's his punishment to play me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll have a good job. <laughs> so, well, so when do you start, Ken? We start doing the route tomorrow afternoon. We leave um, Santa Monica Pier tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. First stop at Barstow in California. Yeah, and and have you got a time limit, or are you just going to cruise along and stop where you want? And... Uh, no, we've We've, we've got all our motels booked every night. Um, yeah, so we finish up in Chicago on the 1st of October. You should have a big flag on your must, one of the stangs, saying, uh, we're from Australia and everybody will stop you and, yeah, you'll have a great time. We're being loud enough. Everyone knows we're from Australia. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. All right, Kenny. Well, um, yeah, good luck. Give us a ring um, when, whenever you want. Say next Sunday. Yeah, we'll see how we go next Sunday and see if we can get hold of you again. Yeah, and so you've got two, two motorbikes, two Stangs. Two motorbikes, two Mustangs, and a couple of big black SUVs. Oh, wow. Mate, that's a, that's a trip and a half, Ken. Yep. So how's things? So how is things in Los Angeles at the moment? Very, very similar to Sydney. Actually, it's about twenty-four degrees, no cloud anywhere whatsoever, and just a slight breeze. Mate, it's uh, yeah, it's the um, it's the city of angels, mate. Yep, yep. So we're looking forward to tonight going down on Santa Monica Pier, and we're all having tea down on Santa Monica Pier tonight. Good luck to you, Kenny. Well, who's that yelling? Oh, we're all in the limo, so there's 19 of them. So if, if you want, I'll get them all to say a big hello, Macca, or oh. hello, Australia. All right, hello, Australia. Go, Will. Are you ready, set, go. <laughs> Australia on the road. Next 15 days. Good on you, Kenny. Thanks, Macca. Have a good day. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.